Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. Amen. I love it. It says, Jesus arose. Christ is risen. Amen. So, I'm, I'm excited about um, today. Is there anybody else? Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I'm not alone. But, um, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for being so kind and so 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 good to us that you sent your son, your only son whom you love as a sacrifice for us. And so thank you that we get to celebrate today and we get to celebrate you and we get to celebrate that that you rose again for us. And so we thank you, Yeshua. We thank you, Jesus. And we give you the praise. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. And we give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so I was like, <laughs> I'm just a little worried if this was a ship, it might tip over this way. <laughs> so, but that's good. I'm just, just, just kidding. But um, I was praying this morning because I was like, like, where do I go now, you know? And because like a Passover was a big week for us, and so I was so excited for Passover, and then we get done with Passover, and now there's no more Jewish holidays to celebrate, right? No, no. Actually, I think a lot of times what we don't remember is that um, Passover is a Jewish celebration, but it's also a celebration for the followers of Jesus, right? Because we are in Him, in Christ. Like I was talking about last night in Passover, we're, we're, we're either brought in as the seed of Abraham by the blood, right? By blood or by the blood. Either way, we are heirs according to the promise, and every promise God has for us is available to us. Every promise God gave to Abraham is available to us through, through Jesus and his perfect sacrifice and his blood on the cross, and that's good news. Do you know what gospel means? I, I don't. So if someone tell me, well, what does it mean? It means good news, right? That's what this is about. It's like, like um, from, from the beginning of the Torah in Genesis to Revelation in, in, um, at the end of the book. So it's really cool because God had it planned. And this whole book from beginning to end is about Jesus. And it's about him wanting to have a relationship with us, a personal heartfelt relationship with us and that's really cool so in passover we're celebrating that um for many jewish people as we go into passover they say um like i heard a rabbi talk and he said every jewish feast starts with this there was a bad guy god delivered us now let's eat (laughs) and then that sums everything up right but but when we see passover we see see God saying, let my people go so that they can go worship. And Pharaoh says, no. And God says, okay, I'll just let them go completely. 
Watch what I'm going to do. But God had that in mind in the whole time, right? But then we see the prophetic of Passover in the Passover lamb. But then we see that there's a bad guy, right? There's a bad guy. They get, they get delivered by the Passover lamb, by the blood. And then they get to go into their next phase, right? Well, there's another book at the end of the Bible called Revelation, right? And we see a bad guy show up in that, right? And then on Revelations 12, it says that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And then we see Jesus coming again. And so the Bible is so true in how it runs and where it goes. And, and every vein it has is about Yeshua. It's about Jesus. It's about a love relationship with God. It's called, in Hebrew, we call it the hesed. It's the loving kindness of God. So, like, if you talk to a rabbi, they call him the, the sephirot. And so, actually, <clears throat> it, it's kind of cool how God ties everything in. And so, there are some things that are tradition, right? But then there's some things that's biblical that we celebrate. Now, there is, it's biblical for, for, um, to celebrate Passover, right? Because it's a precept or a commandment of God. But there's certain things that, that um, can be traditions, but we don't want to live in the tradition. Jesus, when Jesus rose again, he said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Right? So, so we can do traditions and follow traditions, but we follow them in life, right? So we could call this, like, I grew up, I'm a preacher's kid, right? So I, I grew up, uh, my dad's a pastor, my grandpa's a pastor, my great-grandma um, was a Bible-thumping, you know, <laughs> lady. And um, <clears throat> so um, one of our traditions was on Easter. It was a big deal. All of our family, we, I mean, we dressed up. My dad bought us suits. Well, bought me suits. My, my sisters wouldn't wear a suit, so they had to wear a dress. <laughs> so... Um, so anyway, we'd buy suits, and my dad and mom always had the tradition of making it a really special day. But what's the most special about it is we learned through our life that it was a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because Peter the rabbit comes, <laughs> right? Uh, we had so many contests at, at church where we'd go hunt Easter eggs and we'd get these Easter eggs and whoever would get the most would win a rabbit. And every year I won a rabbit. And one year it was a wild rabbit and they kept it in a box. And I was like, that sucker's staying in the house with me. I was like four or five years old. Well, guess what happened? The rabbit got out. Two weeks later, they caught him. And, and I didn't get to keep that rabbit, right? So I was like, rabbits. And then I got this Peter, this rabbit. I named him Peter. He was white. And I had him forever. And I, I taught that sucker like, like to do flips and to roll over. And I mean, I just loved it. So I was always looking at But even the, the traditions we have of the Easter bunny and all that, um, <clears throat> which I, I'm not opposed to hunting Easter eggs or anything like that. We had great fun in it. But the real reason for this celebration and the real reason for Easter is about Jesus and our Passover lamb. And I think it's kind of funny as we look at, at Passover, you notice there was an egg on the on the plate, right? And it represents the destruction of the temple, but it also represents the cycle of life. And 
and new life. And that's what we get. And so every time I see an egg, I think Bates. I was like, new life. It's a cycle of life. Jesus died so that I can have life and have life more abundantly. And that is really good news, right? So Passover is when they took the lambs. It's actually started in Exodus where where I'm going to give a recap because I'm um, just so people know, is where in the Jewish people were in slavery for 400 years, and God sent a deliverer, and he said, let my people go, Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, no, I won't let your people go, and so he sent 10 plagues, and it started out with blood, and and it's kind of cool how the Bible coincides, because like, like Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding in Cana, where he turned the water into wine. Moses' first miracle was he turned the water into blood. I think I picked Jesus over that, right? <laughs> and then, but you go on to the different ten, ten different um, plagues, and they all represented a judgment that was a judgment on the gods that the Egyptians worshipped because there's only one true God, right? And it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's our Abba and it's our Father. And so on the last day, uh, God said, I want you to take a lamb, and I want you to sacrifice that lamb, and I want you to put the door, blood on the doorpost of the house. And so they put it on the doorpost of the house, and they put it here, here, and here. And so, and he said, I want you to consume the lamb, the whole lamb, not leave any part left. And the part that you don't have left, I want you to roast that lamb. And so... So they partook of the lamb, and then they said, I want you to take this bread, and, and then, but they didn't have time for it to rise. So he said, and I want you to eat it with haste, and he, I want you to go in there, and I want you to go in there with your clothes on and your sandals tied, and get ready to go, right? There's something that happens when we meet Jesus. There's promises that come to life when we meet Jesus, that we don't get any other way or any other place. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? When we eat of the Passover lamb, when we partake of that bread, and we go in to to that safe place that is provided by the blood of the perfect sacrifice lamb that is the Son of God, we can expect God to do something in our lives, right? So they went in there, and can you imagine the horror and the tears and the crying because they could probably hear all around them the people who didn't have the blood of the lamb on their doorpost and you seen you could hear the crying and you could hear the moaning and you can feel the darkness and the oppression and sometimes in life we're around some some of that and our heart goes out but Jesus died for every one of them and all it takes is for us to say hey do you know something I'm going to give you my heart, Father. I'm going to let you come into my heart, and I'm going to put the blood of, of the lamb over the doorpost, not of my house, but of my heart now, and I'm going to live inside there, and I'm going to allow you to be the king of that. And that's where we have our victory. That's where we find all we need through the Father. And so as they went in, they went in, to that place. When they put the blood of the lamb over, they went in to that place. I really find it cool. I, I touched on it last night a little bit, but it reminds me of, of Jesus on the cross. 
right? He become our Passover lamb. And so while they were slaughtering the lambs for Passover, Jesus was dying on the cross with an outstretched arm, right? Remember, the lamb means Zora, which means an outstretched arm. God said, I will save you with an outstretched arm and with mighty works. So now for, um, for the Hasidic or the Orthodox Jews and some of the other different types of Jews, they, they, um, they talk about there's ten different ways that God, God shows himself in our lives, right? And that he creates in our lives. And one of them is, like, one of the reasons you wear a kippah is because it's like a crown, right? So you have this crown on, and then underneath that crown, you, you have knowledge, right? And then on the one side, you have wisdom, and the other side, you have understanding. And then below that drops um, kingship, right? And then below that's beauty. So if it was like up above here would be a crown, right? And then that, that crown's covering us. That's God's glory is covering us. When we're under the blood of the lamb, guess what we get? The Bible says that we are crowned with glory, but Jesus was crowned with thorns so that we could be crowned with glory. Isn't that amazing how, how that worked? Jesus said, you know what? I'll take the bad, and I'll give you the good. He's a really bad horse trader, <laughs> you know? Sometimes we're like, man, you're not trading very good, Jesus. He, he's like, I've, we were starting a church one time, and we needed money for, for the church, but we didn't know how we were going to get it. And so we we're like, Father, we just thank you. You're providing. And the phone rings, and this lady's like, I want to give you a horse. And I was like, I don't want a horse. Horses cost money, don't make money. <laughs> Right? So, so Linda looks at me and she goes, I think you should take the horse. Now, Linda, usually I bring animals home and she's like puts them out about as fast as I could most of the time because like I bring a rabbit and everyone's allergic to it and sneezing all the time or something. She's like, I think we need this. And so I was like, okay, I'll talk to him. So I was like, went over, talked to the lady and she says, says, you got a week to get this horse out of here. And I was like, well, I don't got no place to go with it yet. And she goes, well, I was like, and I'm going to sell it because and, and um, we need the money for this church. And, and she, she's like, um, I don't care what you do with it. I was like, okay. So the next day I go to a customer's house, and she's getting ready to import this horse from Europe. And she's like, James, uh, um, do you know anybody who's got a, a quarter horse for sale? And I was like, I do. And she's like, do you want to come look at it? And I was like, yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to ask big on this horse. I'm going to ask like $3,000 because it's a free horse, but I'm going to get what we need. And so she comes out, and she's looking at the horse. And as she's looking at the horse, um, I showed her the horse, talked about it. The lady who was giving me the horse was leading it around and talking with me. And she stops, and she goes, what do you want for it? And I was like, 3000 And she's like, no, I don't think that'll work for me. And I was like, man, I overshot it. And she's like, I'll tell you what, um, I don't think you're asking enough. I'll take the horse, but I want you to ask, come back with me a number that's quite a bit higher because this ain't enough. And I was like, are you kidding me? So me and Linda prayed about it, and um, we said, 7500 bucks. She said, no problem, I would have gave you 10 And I'm like, but the lady that had the horse had been trying to get rid of this horse for over a year. When she said that, she just dropped the leader open and walked off like this. <laughs> She's like, what? What's going on? But that's God. 
that's how God does stuff. So I ended up giving her $500, and then, then we were able to do what we needed to do. God is so good that way. So she's a bad horse trader like Jesus was, right? When you're going to buy a horse, you don't say, that's not enough. You're supposed to say, Can, right? But Jesus is so good that he said, you know what? I will take all the bad and I will give you all the good, right? And so he were crowned with glory because he was crowned with the crown of thorns, right? And because of that, we, we ha- have knowledge. And on that that knowledge is wisdom and understanding, and then it drops down. And then we get to the heart things. We get to where our kingship is, right? And then, or it's actually still in our mind. Our kingship comes through our mind, our will, and our emotions because God sa- says that you get to choose, right? So you get to choose. We get to choose who's going to be king over our life, who's going to be king over your life. God's like, I ain't going to force you to choose me. You get that opportunity to choose me. That's why I really believe they say he's the king of kings. And we always think, well, he's the king of the king of England and the king of Saudi Arabia and the king of this or the king of that. And he is. Or the king of kings like the king of Elvis, the king of rock and roll, or Roy Rogers, the king of the cowboys, or, you know. But I don't believe that is. I believe he's saying that I'm the king of kings that king that I've made you, I've given you that opportunity to choose me. Do you want to choose me? Who are you going to allow to be the king of your heart? Because when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, guess what? He said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. See, our king of kings was an example to us to say, guess what? I'm going to allow you, Father God, to be the king of my life, to be the one who, who, who guides me. And I'm going to trust that this plan, even though I don't want to go through this, even I, though I don't want to go on the cross, even though I know, man, do you think he knew that it was going to hurt? Do you think he knew? He read the scriptures. He knew what it was prophesied. He knew what he was going to go through. He read Isaiah where it said he would be marred beyond recognition. But yet, he sat there. He said, if there's any other way, dude, Father, can we please take that? Because this ain't going to work out real well for me. But what he didn't, what he, I know he realized, that's his flesh. He conquered that in the kingship of who he was. And he said, as the king of kings, he said, but not my will, but yours. So he's our great example. When, when we're inviting the king of kings to have kingship of our heart, we're not just saying to someone who's not done something. Like, you can listen to someone. You ever, like, I don't go to a clinic to see someone who's rode, only horse they've ever rode was the horse at Walmart. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I want to find someone who can do something with a horse, who can do something. If I'm going to go learn to play football, I'm not going to, 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 uh, armchair quarterback. I'm going to go to Russell Wilson or Tom Brady. 
Do you hear what I'm saying about? And that's what Jesus was to us and is to us today. We can follow his example because of the kingship that he brings to us, right? And then we can go to the shoulders, right? When we give him the kingship, guess what happens? It drops down into our heart and we get beauty in our heart. Do you know when you accept Jesus, you're as saved in your spirit as you ever are going to be? Right? Now, our mind needs renewed, right? It's like when the, the children of Israel were coming out of slavery, guess what happened? They were, they're coming out of slavery, but they still had a slave mindset, right? And that kept them from the promised land. So God's like, I don't just want you to have a slave mindset. I want you to be renewed in your mind. They were as free as they could be on the outside, but on the inside, they were still slaves. See, the Bible says it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Isn't that good news? It's for freedom that Christ set us free so that we can be free. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free on Sundays. <laughs> it's free on Easter. No, whom the Son set free is free indeed and so you are beautiful god's made you beautiful god values you so much and as we walk in him and live in him and 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 trust in him guess what we know we we have the kingdom of god and jesus said the kingdom is near you it's even in your mouth it's inside us it's how we connect with god through our spirit and that's good news for us because he came to set us free because he loves us that much. Isn't that good news? Amen. So then we see Jesus and they, they talk about the shoulders. Like you see, on one shoulder is strength, right? On the other, though, is something else. It's called hesed. Does anyone know what hesed is? It means Loving kindness. God's loving kindness. And, and with the strength comes, comes splendor. And, and with God's loving kindness comes victory. 2,000 years ago, Jesus stretched his arms out on a cross. See, you could see God's loving kindness. You could see God's strength, but you could also see his, his, his victory and splendor. In the midst of it, nobody else around was probably looking and thinking, Jesus, I see victory in this. You ever go through something in your life where it looks really bad and like you're like, man, there's no victory in this. How am I ever going to get through this? How am I ever going to make it? How am I ever going to go through it and know that you're with me? I, I mean, I don't see it looks bleak. It seems like there's no hope. Just like when when they were leaving Egypt, right? They left Egypt and. That after the Passover lamb was eaten, they get up the next morning, they got all the gold and all the silver, and the Bible says not one was lame, not one was feeble, and they're moving out, and they're walking to victory, and like, it's like a party, man, because like this little birds and butterflies come around them, and they're like dancing like Disney princesses, and they're like, yay, we're free, no problems ever again in my life. <laughs> but that's not how it happened, you know why? Because here comes Pharaoh, he woke up. He's like, I'm coming after you. And as he's coming after him, 
they get to a Red Sea and they get to a spot and it looks like there's no hope and there's no way like Pharaoh's going to destroy them. And they didn't give them swimming lessons. But guess what God did? He delivered them with his outstretched arm and with mighty works. And he'll deliver us too if we'll just put our trust and our hope in him. And then the final place they talk about is the foundation. And it's in your gut. It's in God gives us a foundation where we know, right? Or it can be in our feet, right? So Jesus hung here with splendor and victory, but it gave us a foundation. His feet were nailed to that cross. It's called Yisad in Hebrew. We have a foundation. That means the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. What makes us righteous? The blood of the Lamb. Jesus has sanctified our feet by shedding His blood. And now that we can walk in victory because of the sacrifice lamb that, that Jesus was and is to this day. We can partake of his lamb. Like, Pastor James, what are you on? I'm on Jesus, and I'm excited about Jesus. Today's the 22nd of Nisan, and so in Leviticus, it says, on the first Sunday, this is not rabbinical teaching, so now the, the rabbinical teaching is is got a lot of good stuff in it, but a lot of it is not all just Torah. Some of it can be tradition, right? And so you get this tradition. But Torah teaching says that on the first Sunday after Passover, it, we call it the, the Feast of First Fruits, okay? Now, some, some rabbis go by the lunar calendar, and then they have it off kilter, but... But um, like the Temple Institute and some of the guys who are Torah-based, a lot of the Jewish people will go by the Torah, which says, so today actually is the day we celebrate the Feast of First Fruits. And so actually when Jesus was um, crucified, um, he was crucified on Passover. In the year he was crucified on Passover, he rose again on the Feast of First Fruits, which is today. Which means this, is they would take the first fruits of the barley harvest and they would wave it before God as an offering. Saying, see God, there had been a lamb sacrifice. And they were taking the barley, saying, look, we have victory. There was a lamb sacrifice. We're free. And then they would count seven weeks. This also starts the feast of seven weeks. And um, so as they're counting seven weeks, they come to another date, which we're going to have in seven weeks. It's called... Shavuot. Anybody ever hear of Shavuot? Do you know what that's also called? Pentecost. Pentecost. Right. And so we, there's so much richness in the Bible. And I think there's so much about Jesus that we can find that, that we can skip over that. Because we don't, don't realize how rich that is. And so one of my passions to teach and to share what God's put on my heart... Number one is to follow the Holy Spirit, but number two is to, to unravel the full counsel of God, how Jesus became our first fruits, right? So Jesus rose again. Jesus is 
the first fruits of those who have risen from the dead. Paul, actually, in, in the New Testament, says that Jesus is the first fruits, and greater things are coming for us. Because Jesus rose again, we can expect that victory over sin and victory over death. It's our guarantee, right? Isaiah says this, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, And we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and his sheep before Her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Why? So that we don't have to worry about oppression. We don't have to worry about judgment. He took our judgment. He took our oppression. He took our sins on the cross so that we can be free. What a sacrifice. What a blessing for us. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was was any deceit in his mouth. Does anybody know who they're talking about here? This is Isaiah. Yet the Lord will crush. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Now we're seeing Jesus crucified. Can you imagine what he went through? Can you imagine? The Bible says that, that he, he, he sweat blood, man. There, the scientists say that sometimes when we get all shook up or all really scared or our bodies get into this where we're so, so um, expecting something bad to happen and under such stress that sometimes it'll cause 
vessels are breaking. You can sweat blood. He literally sweat blood. And now because he sweat blood, we don't have to sweat. We have access to the Father. Say, Father, I thank you. I ain't sweating this. Jesus sweat it for us. There's only one way. It is only because of a Passover lamb. And year after year after year, they would go and they would offer the lamb. But it would just cover their sins. God says, I'm going to do something better that will take away the sins of the entire world. He says, I'm going to wash you white as snow. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash you white as snow. And I will make you righteous. And I will make you join heirs with me and sons of the Most High God. Isn't that great news? says, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. I love it because I was reading from Luke 22 yesterday. And I was talking about how 22 represents light, right? Guess what today is? Today is Nisan 22 on the Hebrew calendar. And I love that because Jesus is like, hey, Sometimes you need a clue, dummy. Here's a clue. I'm the light of your life. I am the light. He's everything we're ever going to need. And sometimes when it's really dark, all we need is a light. And so he says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So, like, we can trust him. He gives us enough light for the next step. And that's all we need because we can trust him and know he's with us. Isn't that good news? Whew. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. He's the greatest ever. And he will divide the spoils with the strong. He's like, I ain't keeping it all for myself. Here. Here, Will. Here, Crystal. Here, Millie. Here, George. Here, Leticia. I'm sharing it with you. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors like pastor james that's old testament you're like stuck in the old testament no i'm not the old testament is jesus concealed but the new testament is jesus revealed and it says here on the first day of the week that would be today right that would be today Yom HaBakarim is what it's called. The day of, the, of first fruits. This is resurrection day. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman, women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that 
gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. So here's a question for us today. Why do we look for the living among the dead? What are we looking for? What are we putting our trust in? What are we putting our hope in? For me, it's one thing. It's Jesus who died for me, who gave his life for me so that I can have life now. These aren't dead traditions. This isn't just an ordinary day. This is a celebration of what Jesus did. He didn't just rise again, but he rose again. And then we see him here later. He's walking on the road to Emmaus. And these dudes are saying, why are you so sad? And Jesus had disguised himself. And they said, well, Jesus, we were following him and he died. And now everything he hoped for and and wanted is gone. There's no hope for us. And Jesus is like, haven't you read the prophets? Haven't you read the Torah? He didn't say, hey, didn't you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? He said, and then he revealed himself to them in it, and their hearts were warm. And then Jesus revealed himself to them and went on. And he went another 40 days, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so we have victory in the resurrection of Jesus and in his blood. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you for him dying on the cross for us, for becoming a perfect sacrifice for us. We thank you that, that you're with us and that you're for us and that you're doing things in our life, Father. But I pray that you just show us more and more how great you are and how much you love us. And we just give you the honor for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.com dot o r g